Hello and welcome to the Inish Guarda YouTube podcast series powered by citiesabc.com and openbusinesscouncil.org. We are here once again to profile some of the leading thought leaders and personalities in the world that are pushing the boundaries and especially making us think about the present, the past and the future. And especially how we can actually use these ideas, this innovation to make our lives better, but as well to understand better our present and how we can actually better write the narratives of the future. And uh, today I welcome to our series, Dr. Ildiz Tugba Kara, that is president of Society 5.0 Institute. Dr. Kara is a social entrepreneur and a senior international political economy expert. She is the current founder and president of the London-based Society 5.0 Institute. And she has a fascinating career that includes uh, pivotal roles as a trade expert at the Ministry of Economy of Turkey, and also represented the Istanbul Chamber of Industry in the national and international arena. Dr. Kara is a master in science and international political economy from the London School of Economics and Political Science and a PhD in the European Union and International Economic Relations from Ankara University. And she's been active in developing digital and sustainable business strategies for next generation enterprises. As the founder of the London-based Society 5.0, she leads the platform and the institute as a way of looking at best practice examples at the international level regarding the vision of Society 5.0 that represents an holistic digital transformation approach that offers compliance with the Society 5.0 principles that are going to be discussing in this interview. And the, in terms of her achievements, uh, she's the author of the book Regional Trade Agreements, Complexity and Turkey in the Turkish language that discusses policy options for Turkey which may be significantly affected by the Transatlantic Trade and Investment Partnerships Initiative. And she's been as well um, working and looking at different um, institutions and trade corridors between um, both uh, Turkey and UK and Turkey and Japan and so different things. And she's been as well publishing actively in different international publications, um, especially in the areas of uh, sustainability, women empowerment, and on various platforms, including Wise TV, Protocol, Journal, uh, Riyadh Daily News, and World SME Forum, and International Economic Affairs Journal, just to mention a few. So I'm quite excited to welcome Dr. Kara to this series and uh, talk about uh, personality, her career, and the Society 5.0. Welcome to our series, Dr. Kara. Thank you, Dinesh. Thank you for having me in your program. I am following it um, with great enthusiasm and I'm so excited to be here today. Thank you. And thank you for um, the introduction as well. Thank you. No, it's a fantastic uh, um, high profile as well. And one of the things as well, you have the, one of the certificates from the University of Cambridge uh, and the strategies for digital transformation business in the new era, which is an, a topic very important. So I, I want to start by uh, a bit of an introduction of yours, because you are a citizen of the world from Turkey to UK and a lot of different areas, but as well, you have a strong both academic and business and i think especially i think it's the first turkey person that i've been interviewing two other people uh mm -hmm. no actually the second but i'm actually i love turkey and i would like to understand your background because of course turkey has been one of the i would say the the biggest empires in history first of all but at the same time it is a very um country that is in the epicenter of 
Europe, Central Asia, and the rest of the things. And of course, in terms of education, you have this kind of fantastic background of academic mm -hmm. and as well business. So I would like to understand the person and the background. Uh, sure. Uh, thank you. First of all, I mean, you um, gave most of the information about my background, but uh, I will try to summarize some uh, of the highlights. I mean, uh, as you mentioned, I'm a London-based uh, social entrepreneur working on Society 5.0 for nearly six years. I uh, started this uh, social enterprise back in Istanbul um, as an NGO, a think tank that work on the best practices of Society 5.0, believing in the importance of this vision for um, developing countries especially. And uh, then for the last uh, two and a half years, we are continuing our work uh, in London as a social enterprise. We are providing consultancy services to uh, the companies. We are helping them to um, develop their own uh, digital transformation roadmap with the holistic approach uh, this uh, Society 5.0 vision uh, brings. And we are promoting this Japanese concept uh, in order to promote um, sustainable development goals. And um, as you mentioned, I'm a, a senior trade uh, specialist uh, with nearly 20 years of experience working on uh, international trade, uh, project management, business sustainability management uh, in uh, public and private uh, institutions and international NGOs. Um, after I uh, completed uh, my uh, public sector chapter of my career, I uh, moved to private sector and I worked in um, one of the uh, biggest um, uh, international cross-border digital com commerce platforms. Uh, the second biggest after Alibaba in China, as their uh, EMEA um, business development uh, director. It was a fantastic um, opportunity to learn more about the importance of platform economies. Uh, the, so uh, I can relate with your work uh, in terms of uh, this uh, Open Business Council platform. So, and later on, I was full of uh, project ideas and I uh, decided to uh, work as a social entrepreneur and started this uh, Society 5.0 Institute with um, a group of professionals who specialized in digital transformation, futurism, the philosophy of science and emerging technologies uh, to analyze the best practices all around the world and develop policy recommendations um, and carry out some international projects. Um, so I'm uh, happy to be able to discuss this issue with you because I know that you are working uh, hard on this uh, issue as well, the Society 5.0. Uh, I am following up your work uh, on this issue as well. So I can summarize uh, my career uh, like this. Um, so one of the, the areas that is, for me, quite fascinating in your profile is that you have fantastic uh, uh, profile in the academic side and as well on the business side one of the things i want to understand is can you tell us when you start working between the two worlds because normally people stay just on the academic or just on the business very few people mix those uh, so i would like to understand the, from your education and when you start putting the two things working together thank you uh, for your uh, kind comments uh, dinish um, i think i'm passionate about uh, reading, writing, uh, analyzing um, difficult concepts and trying to 
uh, make some um, easily digestible uh, content. Uh, so since I'm passionate about education, I couldn't uh, leave academics and I am still uh, continuing uh, giving lectures as visiting lectures at some universities and share uh, my experience on uh, trade, international political economy, business sustainable management. Um, the maybe turning point uh, was my um, master's degree at London School of Economics, where I studied international political economy, uh, because uh, after I completed uh, my master's degree, and I also studied there uh, with British Council Tuning Scholarship as uh, for my pre-doc uh, studies, uh, after I completed my studies at London School of Economics, I um, started uh, searching on uh, techno geopolitics and what we call geoeconomics. Uh, I uh, focused on the relationship between technology, societies, and international relations. And I read a lot about the future of uh, professions and how communities would adapt to today's lightning speed, uh, lightning, uh, speed uh, technological developments. And I realized that there is a massive gap uh, between the pace of technological developments and um, social adaptation to these uh, developments. So, and I also realized that efforts uh, to manage uh, or slow down globalization or this increasing uh, trade protectionism is closely related with um, this race between um, race among nations to uh, catch up with this pace and to adapt to this uh, technological uh, change. Then I um, started to work on this uh, smart society implementations with a particular focus on uh, Japanese uh, concept of Society 5.0. And uh, I established this Society 5.0 Institute just a year after the Japanese government launched uh, this concept uh, I established this institute in August uh, 2017. Um, so that's how I, um, I mean, my academic studies uh, supported my career. My career supported my academic studies. I just um, uh, built the bridge between them uh, in that uh, way. I can say that. Well, it's fascinating, and it's actually quite complex as well because this, this, uh, the two areas and the two worlds sometimes don't work in the best way, with some exceptions, of course. So, before we go to this, the concept of society by proxy, which I would like to go in detail with you because it's one of my areas and passion. Um, so, tell us a bit about Turkey. How is it studying Turkey and then studying UK? Because I think people, of course, Turkey has a massive history. Uh, Istanbul, Ankara. There's, there's, uh, of course thousands of years of history, a lot of confluence between different worlds. But I would like to understand mostly from you studying in Turkey, which is still one of the top economies in the world, and as well in terms of population, and then coming to the UK and, and studying in the UK and starting these trade corridors, let's put it that way. Sure. I mean, um, you mentioned uh, the trade corridor, so maybe I should uh, first touch on uh, the importance of trade corridors. Um, it, it, because I know that you are uh, deeply involved in this uh, Open Business Council platform, uh, which uh, will include Turkey as well, I guess. Uh, and I believe that it will create a huge impact in terms of open trade corridors and cultural uh, bridges. Um, as you mentioned, I mean, uh, I worked for a long time uh, back in Turkey. 
um, in the Turkish Ministry of Economy and then uh, one of the biggest uh, chambers of industry, industry uh, Istanbul Chamber of Industry. And um, meanwhile, I uh, came to London uh, to carry out my uh, master's degree. And then, of course, I fell in love with London as well. <laughs> and um, I always had a connection after uh, my uh, master's degree. Um, and I mean, uh, things developed in a way that uh, bring me uh, to here. Uh, but um, I mean, um, since I'm a foreign trade uh, specialist, I'm uh, very much interested in this trade uh, corridors, which is very relevant issue after this COVID-19 and the war in Ukraine. Uh, we better understood the importance of supply chain resilience and open trade corridors. And uh, we suffered from increasing trade protectionism. We discussed the pros and cons of um, near-shoring and front-shoring. But uh, luckily, uh, the latest technologies such as AI, uh, blockchain, and these uh, platform economies um, enable us to uh, establish traceable supply chains to ensure sustainable trade flows, uh, which is very important. And adoption of traceability in supply chains through these uh, platforms um, would ease the impact of similar shocks in the future and minimize supply chain uh, disruptions. So I'm closely following up the Open Business Council initiative platform business you are involved in. And as I said, I think uh, it's hugely uh, important in terms of ensuring open trade corridors for all uh, nations uh, in the world. And um, it, also you mentioned the cultural bridges uh, between um, Turkey and the UK, Japan and the other uh, nations of the world. I know that, for example, India was the first country who has a memorandum of understanding with Japan on a collaboration on Society 5.0. Now United Kingdom uh, has a special relationship with uh, Japan on a Tech for Society, Tech for Sustainable Development Goals, uh, which I can summarize as uh, Society 5.0 in my terminology. So these kind of cultural bridges uh, are very important because they are the principal enablers of um, Goal 17 of uh, UN Sustainable Development Goals, which is a partnership for the goals. Uh, I mean, the dialogue, the cooperation, exchange of uh, best practices, transfer of know-how uh, is very important to achieve this uh, complex and difficult uh, sustainable development goals set by the UN. So um, both cultural bridges and open trade corridors are crucial uh, today more than ever. It's impressive as well. And I think, like you said, this is going to be more impactful, especially with everything happening as we speak. So let's go then right now to the concept of Society 5.0. I think it's a concept that uh, you've been working for some time. I've been as well writing about, about it and as well discussing, but it's still not very well known. Like you said, it, it was generated in Japan, but I would like to, to hear from you and. Uh, kind of description, how do you see the Society 5.0 concept and how you approach it as well on your work and your institute? Um, I would like to, I will try to uh, summarize this difficult concept. Um, if, for example, you would ask me to um, summarize in 
three minutes or five minutes, uh, what I would like to say would be, uh, we can summarize it, tech for society and tech for SDGs, this uh, Society 5.0 concept. And it um, particularly tries to answer the question, how we can maximize the latest technologies, the benefits of these technologies and uh, avoid all potential risks. Um, we need to have a coordinated effort to overcome social uh, and economic uh, problems we have. And um, we can use these digital technologies uh, which uh, give us a landing hand. So maybe uh, today with all these difficult uh, questions like climate change, aging, uh, population, uh, food security, increasing um, inequalities within and among nations, uh, we need to hit uh, five birds with one stone. And the Society 5.0 vision enables us to do that uh, with this, its holistic approach to digital transformation. And another important uh, thing is its motto, leaving no one behind, so inclusiveness, and just transition is uh, a very big uh, and important component of this uh, vision. Uh, as you also um, mentioned in your uh, programs and speech, uh, Society 5.0 vision aims to balance economic development with the resolution of social problems. And I would like to give, for example, um, uh, the food security issue uh, as an example. Um, the world population is growing very fast, as we all know, and so it's food demand. Uh, but um, adverse effects of climate change uh, limit our capability to increase our food production. And we also have another uh, difficulty here, because we both need to increase the food production, but while doing that, uh, we need to minimize our carbon footprint as well. So. Uh, here, the latest technologies come to our rescue. Uh, we can do vertical farming in the city centers. We can use smart agricultural appliances to increase production uh, efficiency. We can reduce our food waste uh, with better supply chain management. We can all do all these things thanks to the uh, latest uh, technologies. But, and uh, instead of uh, producing more meat, which is very costly to the environment, now we can produce cultured meat from uh, stem cells or um, we can prefer plant-based uh, meat products, which are, um, to me, equally delicious and uh, nutritious uh, as regular meat, but their production uh, is not that costly to the environment. So uh, in summary, I mean, technology offers great opportunities uh, to solve our socioeconomic problems and to achieve sustainable development goals. But uh, technology do does not uh, do it by itself. We need to manage the process with a vision like Society 5.0. Uh, we need uh, to have this awareness of the uh, potential problems. Uh, we need to make necessary regulations, giving everyone uh, the same opportunities um, and enable uh, them uh, so that no one uh, is left behind. Uh, so Society 5.0 vision means uh, this to me. I mean, uh, managing the whole process with a vision and with a coordinated effort uh, to make the best uh, of these uh, available technologies 
and also um, to limit their potential risks. I completely agree, and that it's a it's a big topic that I think is more important than ever, especially as technology becomes the driving factor of humanity. So uh, I want to share an infographic with you and uh, our audience. That is actually one of the things I did, and I want to ask you one question related on this because when I talk about society 5.0, I'll share the screen shortly, and our team put this uh, more. We have always to look at the previous four societies, because of course the society 5.0. So mostly, um, and of course this is a bit mixed between the concept of Japan and what you discussed, and as well some other concepts. So what I did here in this slide is a bridge between the concept of society 5.0 and the four previous societies, and then the concept of the fourth industrial revolution that we have right now. So as an academic, one of the questions I would like to ask here, so. When we talk about society 5.0, which is the 21st century, we talk about, like you said, sustainable developing goals, sustainable circular economic society, and how we deal with robotics, augmented open AI and singularity. And then, of course, we are at the same time the fourth industrial revolution, which is much more a concept related to technology, which is part of the World Economic Forum and has been discussed as well by the leadership. But previously, what is interesting is... Um, that if you see from the society 1.0, this about the down of humans to society, I would say two, that is uh, 23,000 years before Christ. And then we have, of course, the end of 19th century. So that means in, in the last uh, 200 years, more or less, we had three society developments in history. So my question for you as an academic and researcher is that um, this society 5.0 is actually a concept super important, but as well, it shows the velocity that we are right now as a society. And as well, our institutions are not prepared for this. I know that our institute is precisely to create awareness for this and educate on this. But I would like to see how you view these concepts and especially the, the evolution, because for instance, the last society 4.0 that you can describe it was only like uh, very recent. Okay, if you look at uh, the fourth industrial revolution, is the last thirty years or twenty years. Let's put it that way. So this is kind of in twenty years we got actually probably more developments than actually in the last thousands of years. So I'd like to see how you see this, and especially uh, one of the questions. And now this is more the academic part. Probably I'll, I'll go more to your academic part. Is uh, the challenge I've been facing is that uh, working with governments, and you mentioned about the Open Business Council, Cities ABC, and a lot of institutions, is that most of the people are still not understanding the web and we are already in metaverse. So, and when it comes to society 5.0, this is actually takes us to discuss what is humanity because we, for instance, Juvenal, uh, um, the, the the writer from the Homo sapiens and, and, um, and a lot of different things has been talking about the Homo Deus as well. So we are already position that in theory right now you can extend life and you can reboot humanity. So I would like to see how you see this both from an academic and from a practical because there's a huge need for education and as well are we actually going to prepare society because like you said in terms of supply chain we are right now dealing with things that are very basic when we have technology super advanced so it's a paradox and society definitely is not prepared for this so uh, I would like to hear your views on this. Sure. I mean, uh, Dinesh, as you said, Society 5.0 vision is about future readiness, future readiness of uh, businesses, future readiness of societies and future readiness of individuals. Uh, what are we trying to getting ready uh, is actually um, not a future. We already started to uh, live side by side with the 
artificial intelligence and machine learning uh, capabilities uh, and robotics, they are already uh, in employment uh, and they are going to revolutionize uh, the uh, employment uh, in every sector. So it is about getting ready to work with and to live with uh, robots, with uh, AI and uh, machine learning capabilities. So, um, I mean, um, it's not a science fiction anymore. So uh, it is an urgent issue for all societies uh, as you and I, I mean, uh, we are trying to create awareness on the both importance of the issue and urgency. Uh, we need to act urgently to reskill and upskill uh, the human capital. Um, we need to get ready for the future of the professions. And uh, for our uh, viewers, I would like to recommend this book um, called Globotics Upheaval by Richard Baldwin. Uh, he uh, examined the issue of this robotization and future of employment because there are arguments uh, arguments against saying that okay in this all this uh, society um, where we are going to society 2.0 uh, 3.0 and 4.0 always i mean uh, there are new jobs created and some professions uh, ended it's not the end of the world so we are going to adjust it uh, again but this adjustment uh, won't be that smooth, maybe, uh, as uh, it was in the past, uh, because um, we, we, we uh, are talking about an artificial intelligence which is much more efficient uh, than us. Uh, the robots uh, will be doing some of the professions much better than the human beings. So um, meanwhile, um, I mentioned in the beginning of our program, there is a uh, race among nations to get ready uh, because there is a vast uh, gap between the pace of uh, technological developments and uh, the pace of uh, societies uh, being ready for that. So this gap creates the uh, biggest problems. Of course, we will, as uh, humanity, we will get adjusted to the new uh, developments. But meanwhile, there will be lots of people who lost, uh, who, who can lose their jobs and uh, who will um, experience economic uh, poverty. So there may be some uh, social unrest, some uh, migrations, immigrations due to that. Uh, you know, uh, this, uh, the, the adverse effects of climate change uh, mostly affect these um, un, uh, disadvantaged groups. Uh, so, I mean, uh, everything um, relates to each other. So um, it is uh, definitely a very, very urgent issue. Uh, so all governments need to act very fast to get ready to the realities of this uh, society. Factor. I mean, to the future, we will uh, live and work together with um, artificial intelligence. And uh, of course, I mean, we will become... Uh, more um, integrated with the robots as well in terms of our body. So uh, it's an exciting uh, near future uh, that's waiting for us. 
and we should definitely be aware of the realities and get ready uh, starting from today. Yeah, that's that's a big thing right now to sell us. So, so I want to touch right now. So, where it comes the the Society Five Point Zero Institute because you created precisely to look at these things and to deal with these things. And like you said, I think there's a huge component of creating awareness, a component of education, but as well a, an active uh, work because it's it's humanity is complex. Okay, there's all this technology, but we are still very basic. We have different cultures, different credos, different ways of looking at work, more aggressive, less aggressive. And this is, I think, where reality is much more complex than sometimes technology, because technology reproduces reality. So I would like to see from your experience with the Institute and as well working with some trade corridors, and you mentioned as well working with ministers, with different governments, what would be like the, I don't know, a case study, something that you want to share with us that you think it's really relevant for people listening to us? Because I think the point is that this is so overwhelming and most of people don't even understand what we're talking here. That's why I'm, I'm, I start this podcast series. But at the same time, we cannot stop it. It's going much faster than us. The starting point for me uh, was the fact that uh, my home country, Turkey, has a, a huge young population. Uh, so it's a very dynamic, uh, developing country. I uh, realized that these uh, latest technologies offer great opportunity for developing countries, um, what we called leapfrogging. I mean, to go much faster in the development uh, stages. So uh, it can these these countries, if they utilize these technologies with them with an awareness, with a coordinated effort, with a vision, uh, they can benefit from this process uh, and they can leapfrog. But if they miss this opportunity, if they uh, can't um, uh, handle this process well, if they can't manage the process and if they uh, don't take the necessary steps like reskilling, upskilling their workforce, I mean, uh, following up the regulations, following up what is going on in the world and how uh, they can um, utilize these technologies to create their own solutions. Because in Society 5.0, we are talking about a solution economy. Uh, I just uh, thought about these things and I realized that it is uh, particularly important for uh, developing countries like Turkey, which has a very uh, dynamic and uh, huge young population. Um, I started this uh, social enterprise and tried to make the concept uh, known, uh, create awareness and um, uh, started some action with uh, international projects. I uh, maybe, uh, I like giving the example of uh, e-commerce uh, because I worked on these uh, issues. Um, for example, uh, since I worked in a uh, Chinese uh, digital uh, e-commerce platform, I would like to give China as an example. As you know, China uh, was a developing country and uh, it is one of the countries uh, very effective in uh, digital cross-border e-commerce. And they organized this uh, so well, uh, they just... Um, provide a solution for all the SMEs where uh, the SMEs only uh, produce their products and then uh, this whole um, concept of uh, specialized uh, e-commerce zones handle the situation, uh, handle the trade uh, for them. Uh, digital uh, 
commerce gives a great opportunities for uh, women entrepreneurs, SMEs, and developing countries who generally find uh, reaching uh, foreign markets uh, difficult because they lack uh, they lack um, financial resources, they lack uh, expertise. So uh, starting um, commerce, I mean foreign trade, starting foreign trade is difficult and costly for uh, these groups. But for example, uh, through uh, this technology uh, we have, uh, it's, uh, is, it becomes very easy to start uh, doing business. So it can be one of the examples how uh, technology uh, um, facilitates our uh, uh, goals. So for example, through these technologies, now we can enhance access to affordable and clean energy, we can provide better health services, we can uh, provide inclusive and equitable education for underserved uh, communities. For example, I can um, attend um, digital, digital strategies education from Columbia University, from uh, United Kingdom, and from, an, uh, I mean, poor country, some uh, uh, people can reach better education, better health services. Um, so uh, these um, technologies um, enable us to uh, solve difficult problems and it, they strengthen our hands. They enable us to achieve much more than we uh, used to do before. So we uh, don't, uh, we shouldn't miss this opportunity. We should use it wisely. Uh, that's what uh, Society 5.0 vision means to me. And uh, I am doing my best to express it, explain it, uh, and share this information as much as possible. No, it is a fantastic work that uh, requires a lot of persistence and is more important than ever. So, so one of the things that you have uh, on the society50.org, um, actually for people listening to us, we'll put the links, but uh, please look at the website and the blog and the different things that uh, Dr. Karen has been doing. So one of the things you've been working on the Institute is solutions like uh, how to increase your ESG impact and how to look at your business future proof. So let's look at ESG and Society 5.0. So how do you see these two concepts that are right now critical for our society? And ESG is becoming like a benchmark for any business worldwide. Uh, I mean, uh, in today's economy, uh, or I will call it Society 5.0 economy, uh, ESG issues or sustainability in general is not something uh, nice to have. I mean, we should uh, revise our business model uh, embedding sustainability in all the processes of uh, our uh, business model and uh, proceed accordingly. Uh, otherwise, we will have problems in every sense. Uh, it is uh, very important for a number of uh, uh, perspectives. I mean, we have to contribute to the sustainable development goals. Uh, our business um, e our business's uh, resilience and future preparedness is uh, directly linked to the ESG uh, performance of the uh, company. So uh, we, as the Society 5.0 Institute, we summarize the basic principles of Society 5.0 economy as uh, data-driven growth, value-based, human-focused digital transformation, reskilling and upskilling of human capital, 
redesigning business model embedding sustainability and updated cor corporate culture and organizational structure and finally the leadership, uh, of course. Uh, all these concepts um, should be revised and uh, reformalized according to the today's and uh, future needs. Uh, we are helping companies uh, achieving this goal. Um, in our website, uh, the, the ESG impact uh, part uh, is related with a um, new project we are carrying out. Uh, so we are um, working on a platform. Uh, we will meet um, a, the ESG investment uh, projects and the uh, possible investors. So uh, we are still working on that one, but we are uh, actively providing uh, consultancy services to all businesses with a questionnaire we prepared. Uh, so uh, with our questionnaire, we are coaching uh, the companies we are working uh, with. Uh, through these questions, they can see clearly what they need in terms of digital transformation, uh, because uh, according to the Society 5.0 understanding, we need to look at uh, digital transformation with a holistic approach, with a uh, human-focused uh, and uh, value-based approach. And our questions uh, directly uh, aim to achieve this. Uh, within, with this questionnaire, companies can understand uh, clearly what they need in terms of uh, a holistic approach to their digital transformation, and they uh, can prepare their own roadmap with uh, this uh, service. That's uh, fantastic. First of all, congratulations to that work. And, uh, and it's really one of the things that I think is more important for any business worldwide. It, it, I speak for myself because there's a continuation, a continued requirements to update ourselves. And these concepts are quite complex because you need to, on one end, to get results as a business, but then you need to make sure that you look at the environment issues, sustainability issues, governance which is very very critical because if you have a team of 50 people or 20 or, or 10 or 1 million it depends on how big a company these challenges are very difficult different cultures have different interactions different needs different requirements and actually for me as a ceo and as an author is always how we make the balance between the academic and the research and the practicality so i want to go to this part of the practicality so because you've been as well consulting companies. So what would be from the experience that we have, and I know that you're very focused as well with women entrepreneurs and women um, in terms of business, which is an area that I'm very passionate as well. Uh, what would be, let's say, the, the things that you found and probably some of the areas that you found that is really like where people are struggling? Um, one or two areas that you feel that there's, okay, really these pe people don't. For instance, in my case, just as an example, when I speak about these concepts, I would say 99% of the business leaders, including very high profile, have no clue. Uh, they don't understand what is 4ER, they don't understand what is blockchain, and they struggle. It's very, very difficult. And even in big organizations, I'm not going to mention names, I have the cases of, uh, uh, there's two or three people that understand these concepts, and then 99% just kind of go and, or they follow, or they kind of, okay let's the the fear of missing something like that so if you could highlight on that because i think it's a very important thing for people listening to us is how we go from the theory to the practice but as well what are the things we can do now that can help us and take this 
I uh, think your question has uh, two uh, aspects. Uh, one is uh, related with the difference between uh, Industry 4.0 and Society 5.0 concepts. Uh, I mean, we um, talked a lot about what digital transformation is uh, during the in, uh, Industry 4.0 discussions. Uh, and we uh, talked about technologies that we can acquire as companies and they will increase our efficiency. But uh, these technologies uh, were uh, the expertise of uh, our IT departments. And as you mentioned, the other people uh, don't necessarily uh, have to understand uh, the specific uh, technicalities. Uh, but uh, in Society 5.0, uh, especially uh, after COVID-19, uh, we realized that this digital transformation is not only about uh, transformation our businesses, the, uh, the way of uh, our doing business uh, through digital technologies, but uh, it uh, transformed every aspect of our life and our expectations uh, from uh, the employment, from our institutions, our way of living, our way of communicating, so uh, now uh, you need to revise your human resources um, strategy accordingly. Uh, maybe you are trying to reach expertise from uh, special platforms on uh, specific talents. So, uh, I mean, the main difference between these two concepts are uh, Society 5.0 vision, uh, focus this digital transformation, not as a... Uh, from an IT perspective, but from the uh, human uh, perspective. I mean, the, all the individuals are working in this uh, organization. And it says that, for example, in our uh, questionnaire, we also um, underline this. For example, when we uh, revise our business models to embed sustainability in it, we um, gather all uh, departments of the um, institution, the company, I mean, not only the IT department who is knowledgeable about specific uh, technologies of digital transformation, but we um, get together with all the people working in that uh, company to see what the problems are, what the needs are, what kind of, for example, data they have, uh, what kind of value they can create from this data, what kind of additional data they need, how they can um, gather them in a healthy uh, and comparable way, uh, so on and uh, so forth. I mean, um, as you said, I mean, digital literacy is important. We need to, uh, the, uh, it is the second part of the question, as far as I understand. Uh, we need to increase digital literacy for all of us. I mean, as, a, as Dr. Kara, I need to learn more about maybe Python or other uh, programming things, I at least uh, need a basic information to be able to talk about it. Uh, so uh, increasing everyone's uh, digital literacy, especially women, so that if, they, if we are talking about uh, a gender gap, uh, a digital gender divide, uh, we need to upskill and reskill more uh, women in uh, STEM, uh, areas and uh, in digital literacy issues and uh, when we um, figure out how we are going to proceed with digital transformation uh, we need to focus on the human capital uh, and their 
needs their uh, perspectives, uh, not only the uh, IT department. I mean, this digital transformation issue shouldn't be limited only with the IT people, but all the uh, employees of an organization should uh, be interested in and uh, should have a say on uh, this new uh, strategy of the company. That is actually a very, very difficult task. I think for, this mostly touches change management uh, and change management is really, in the other days about people, how you do this. And I think COVID accelerated digital transformation, but at the same time now we're coming back again that it has to be face-to-face. -face. So I remember that in COVID, I managed to do a couple of events even on this channel with ministers and different things. And now is much more, okay, you need to go face-to-face, -face, although the transformation was much faster. So uh, I'm conscious of, of your time as well, but I still want to touch one or two questions related with some of the things we discussed. So when we talk about um, society 5.0 and it talks uh, change management, how this, uh, how can we take this to the economies and special to businesses? And I think now I'm talking more, more from a, you mentioned that you have a questionnaire, you mentioned that you have a consultancy for this, but let's look at kind of the steps. What would be the steps that you think? Because you're talking about the super intelligent humanity, but unfortunately, if you look at the geopolitics, uh, intelligence is sometimes something that is not too much there. Um, but at the same time, for instance, recently, um, uh, one of the uh, the engineers of Google uh, was saying that one of the AI chatbots of Google start asking questions and asking questions that in the end of the day, Google, of course, said it was not that. So that means we have already some kind of singularity of sentient AI. So this is all happening as we speak, but we have, in one end, change management people, then we have geopoliticals and all the challenge, and then we have the super AI and super IT that you mentioned, that, that part it's just going to continue. It's a bit exponential growth and exponential um, as well scalability. So uh, it's a big question, but um, from a practicality, especially for businesses and for economies, how can we actually make sure that we change, starting with baby steps? Because I think we cannot just go and try to do everything at the same time. Um, maybe we can use a framework. Uh, for example, at LSE, they um, taught us that uh, three uh, things should align to make great changes. Interests, ideas, and institutions. So in terms of ideas, I think we are there. I mean, we don't discuss the importance of, for example, sustainable development goals or the urgency of uh, dealing with climate change because we're already uh, facing with the um, consequences of it, unfortunately, hurting our uh, businesses as well. Uh, so ideas are there. We realize that we need to respond to these sustainable issues. We need to find solutions. And we also realize that uh, no uh, government can achieve this uh, alone. So we need to cooperate. Uh, however, of course, there is a um, race as well uh, in terms of, I mean, geopolitics, uh, techno-geopolitics. Uh, you know, there are tech wars. Uh, everyone tries to s develop some solutions, but uh, we sometimes want to keep it uh, to ourselves. Anyway, uh, ideas are there in terms of interests. Uh, we also realize that, for example, if from the uh, if you are looking from the business perspective, uh, the main goal of a business is making profit, right? And uh, although we call it uh, people, profits, uh, planet, 
uh, and prosperity uh, still, I mean, as an entity, uh, a co company needs to make profit in order to continue its business. But what we uh, say is that uh, sustainability is not a luxury. If you need to really make to profit and if you want to make your profit be sustainable, uh, if you want to be successful, if you want to uh, competitive, be competitive in this race, you need to take uh, care of sustainability. You need to uh, make a greater performance. So um, we, the, the main message we are trying to give as Society 5.0 Institute is that because uh, at first companies uh, may be resistant to these issues. For example, oh, we are an SME, we have limited resources. I mean, we can't deal with the sustainability issues. But we give this main message that if you really want to be profitable in this time, you, you have to take care of it. You have to deal with the sustainability issues. So uh, the interest is there as well, ideas, interest. Institutional uh, part is a little bit um, confusing because there's a uh, alphabet soup of uh, standards. Uh, there are a lot of uh, important initiatives from a, a number of uh, international organizations like United Nations, uh, World Economic Forum, uh, I mean, you name it, all uh, international uh, institutions, non-governmental uh, organizations, um, private consultancy companies, they all uh, are trying to set the standards uh, to um, measure this ESG performance and to uh, promote this issue. But uh, it's a little bit uh, complicated, like a spaghetti bowl of uh, institutions and regulations, but it's good. I mean, uh, I'm sure at some point, some of these uh, standards or regulations will be eliminated and uh, there will be a um, um, convergence on some of these uh, standards. So uh, we are much closer uh, to that um, institute, uh, ideas, uh, institutes and interests uh, alignment. But of course it is, uh, difficult to carry out a coordinated effort like uh, the Japanese example. Because in Japanese case, we see that, uh, for example, uh, Japanese government go to big uh, tech uh, companies and they just uh, give responsibility. For example, Toyota, you are going to do this. Uh, and for example, X company, you are going to, uh, you need to uh, develop a solution for that issue. And under their uh, R&D departments, research and development departments, they opened Society 50 uh, sub uh, departments. And they, um, what they did is mission-oriented innovation. I mean, they uh, tried to develop solutions. And they actually are successful on that. For example, Japanese, Japan is uh, number one uh, in uh, caretaker robots. Uh, they developed uh, very important solutions for aging society. And now, not only they solve their own problems, they can export and they can uh, make money out of these uh, solutions because aging society is not a problem of uh, Japan only, but also uh, other countries as well because uh, our life expectancy is um, increasing. Uh, we are uh, living longer. <laughs> So, um, yes, that uh, can be a um, positive uh, initiative for uh, economies, seeing that both for companies 
and also uh, countries. I mean, uh, you can uh, make a lot of money out of this uh, solution economy. Uh, if you can utilize these technologies, you will benefit from it. But if you miss this chance, uh, maybe your company will be closed. I mean, you will be out of this race. Uh, so um, it, it is in everyone's interest uh, on working on these issues. I can say this as an answer. Very inspiring, and I think we really need to take into this. So, so as, as a wrap up, let's say if we have, uh, let's say, if, um, our audience is mostly people uh, C level, and uh, from CEOs to directors of companies, and as well personalities from universities and different areas. So, if we have like three things that you suggest for someone to look when it comes to the society 5.0 and the things we've been discussing. What would be the three things that you would suggest? Because you touched a lot of different things and I, I would like to make sure that one of the things I always try to do with my team and in this uh, podcast is making sure that we take in actions for our day to day, because it's the only way we can change the world, at least change ourselves first. Um, so like three things you would highlight to wrap up in terms of the concept of Society 5.0 and as well in your institute um, that you suggest. Uh, the three things will be uh, first um, solution economy. Um, if I were a CEO, I would uh, think about what kind of solution I would bring as a company uh, or how I can increase, uh, develop this solution. Uh, so I would focus on this first. Uh, with regard to sustainable development goals, uh, since it is such a huge and complex issue, I wouldn't try to achieve everything and put a tick to uh, all the uh, issues in terms of ESG. But I would uh, particularly focus on, for example, two or three uh, main topics, uh, make some improvement on them first, then uh, with the layers uh, on top of it in the uh, near future. Uh, second is. Um, Reskilling and upskilling, uh, starting from ourselves, uh, we should be thinking about the future of our professions, uh, how the things uh, is going on, and how can we adapt us ourselves to this change, uh, or how can we uh, improve our human capital uh, in the company. Uh, and uh, third is uh, just to um, remember that our companies. Uh, uh, are live and um, profitable in a bigger society. So uh, the society part of this ESG is very important. Giving back to people, uh, giving back to our communities are very important. So uh, I would uh, invest in uh, social issues because that environment uh, in the end uh, would, uh, I mean, feed us, will grow us. So the, the third uh, thing would be uh, how to contribute to the society we are living in. So I can summarize the three main things uh, to start uh, for our society 5.0 journey like that. Fantastic. And it's actually great. And we'll put this in writing because I think it's a great way to, to wrap up the interview. So as one last thing, so 
where can people find you? I think it's always good to know. And uh, this this YouTube is to promote as well. Great voices, great thought leaders, great researchers, and great personalities like it's your case. So if you could, we'll put all the links, but coming from you. Thank you, Dinesh. Uh, if someone wants to reach me, they can find me on LinkedIn, uh, searching for Dr. Yildiz Tuba uh, Kurtuluşkara. And of course, you mentioned our uh, website, uh, society50.org, so they can uh, reach me through this. We also have a LinkedIn uh, website for our institute, and also we are available on Instagram as well. Thank you for having me in this program and make my voice heard for a larger, louder, uh, larger audience. The pleasure is all ours and uh, fantastic insights. And I think for people listening to us, please uh, read the Dr. Kara research and a lot of papers on this. I think this is a, a particularly important topic more than ever, especially the convergence between society 5.0 and ESG. But as well, like she said, a lot of pragmatism is required. And I think we all need to get our hands into this. Thank you so much. Thank you very much for having me, Dinesh. Thank you.